Rushers. If you can't tell, I'm jacked up. I've been in a room with some of the finest apostolic people I know. And I mean, I, they, we just prophesied and prayed over one another all week. And it was just a glorious time. And I, I feel like I got all this stuff just locked up on the inside of me this morning. So I apologize uh, if you're visiting and you can't figure out what is he doing. I'm just a little intoxicated. It's a little intoxicating when they uh, start telling you how many how many people they led to Jesus in a day. It's a little intoxicating when they start talking about the number of churches that are being planted every day. It's just a little intoxicating when somebody from India says, "You need to come, Bishop. You need to come." It's a little. I don't know how to do. It. I was sitting here one day. And I'm sitting in the middle of this. We're broadcasting some of it. And there are 50, 60 people. And I get this text saying, Bishop, we'll pay your way to come to Peru if you'll just come down here and bless our churches. So I'm a little intoxicated because I'm, I'm an evangelist and a missionary, and I love all that. Say with me, fire sale, garage sale. The Soviet Union is selling off all of their stuff in the 1990s. And uh, if any of you ever been in the Navy... You're going to understand part of this. If you've ever been on a naval vessel, you know how you have to step through that airtight door and you have to step through it and go over it. You know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, okay, so you have to step to it. And then them suckers are about this tall. And you've got you to step up and you've got to bend down or you can't get through. I walked through a ship a couple of years ago and I thought, my Lord, if those bells go off and you had to get out of this thing, if you, if you didn't have this down, you're going to die. You're gonna, bam, you're going to knock yourself out. Well, the Soviet Union older fleet were even smaller yet. It, it, less than four foot was the opening from the top of that top to the bottom of that. And so uh, you had to really, you had to really get, in. in other words, in order to go through a door, you had to do two things at the same time. In order to pass from one compartment to the other, in order to traverse your way through the bowels of that ship or submarine, you had to learn to do two things that, quite frankly, are, are not connected, and that is to bow and to lift all at the same time. And if you can do two things at the same time, you can pass through into different dimensions, different levels. You, you can traverse through life if you can learn that you have to do both at the same time. I want to talk to you this morning about how to traverse, how to move through life, how to handle stuff. But you got you to, Romans chapter 8, and we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God. How many of you know that? Oh, and we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, yes, amen. that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Yes. Moreover, whom He predestined, these He also called. Whom He called, these He also justified. And whom He justified, these He also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who then can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? I could shout. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. 
Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who then shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who has loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Can somebody say amen? amen? I love this portion of Scripture. I just love it. Have you ever had somebody look at you and go, this will just take a minute? Run. Have you got a minute? I got only one thing, Bishop, I want to talk about. I hate, I mean, I've learned this week, maybe run. But can I tell you something I've done that's really dumb? I've had the, the silly thing to go, so how are things going? Have you ever asked somebody how are things going? Oh, you did. Ah, how are things going? I didn't know somebody had those many things. <laughs> Man, I'm sorry that you got so many things. You got issues. Things. It's amazing to me how many things. That's a big word, you know. If you can't name it, you just say that thing. What thing? I don't know what you're talking about. You know that thing. No, I don't know that thing. You need to, you need to be a little more. Uh, but there's so many people, they don't have specifics. They just got things they're dealing with. And no kidding. You don't want to go ask somebody how things going if you don't want to really. In this portion of scripture extrapolated from Paul's letter to the Romans, seven times he mentions things. Things that have happened to you will shape your perspective, your perceptions, your personality, your performance. Things that will shape our attitudes, our expectations, our preconceived ideas. It'll, it'll alter our mind both unconsciously and consciously. Things, you know, that object that, that need not, cannot, and does not give a specific name to. Too many people are suffering under the weight of things and the problems in life. They permit the obstacles or the things of their mind to give them a sense of inferiority or inadequacy. And that interferes with the goals that God has placed, the destiny that he has from our lives because things can drain us of life and of energy. Just things, just stuff. This thing that happened or didn't happen, that thing that should have happened, I, that thing I regret or that thing I'm afraid of in the future, those frustrations with a quite undisclosed future, those things that have or are or perhaps will happen or won't happen to us, those things, they trouble us. How many of you have been troubled by Things You couldn't quite put your finger on it, but there were things swirling in your mind. And if someone asked you what it was that was swirling, you couldn't really tell anybody. It was just chaos and confusion and just this simple 
The Bible is filled with people that are troubled over things. The one I like the most is Matthew when it says, Herod the king heard these things and he was troubled. <laughs> Makes me wonder what Herod heard. I mean, if you're the king, the illegitimate king of Jerusalem, your name is Herod, and you've built this kingdom based on your ability to manipulate other people. And someone stands up and says, I'm the truth. Someone stands up and says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. If you're Herod and you have manipulated people, you've deceived them in marginally deceptive ways. And someone shows up and says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You might be troubled about the things that you have heard. Listen, the world has been troubled about the announcement of the Christ for a very long time. Because if someone stands up and begins to say, I know the truth. His name is Jesus. It's going to upset people. Oh, you're not listening to me. I'm just telling you, in the midst of things, Herod or people like Herod hear about Jesus and they begin to be troubled. Sometimes you ought to be troubled about the presence of God. Sometimes the presence of God or the announcement of the reality of God ought to bring trouble to you. And then again, there's Martha. How many of you remember Martha, the sister of Mary? who was enamored with many things. It says that the Lord replied to her saying, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. There's a big difference between Herod and Martha, correct? I mean, Herod, we know, is an old devil. Now, Martha is a good church lady. Come on. She's a good lady. She's doing good things. How many of you know that you can be doing many good things and still be troubled? That your life can, you can be anxious and troubled about some pretty good things, but you're not supposed to have anxiety and trouble about things. See, so many times we allow things to control our emotions. And we want to blame things or people for the feelings that we have. And we're actually waiting on God to change our feelings when God's wanting you to change your attitude about the things. Oh, you're not. You're too quiet. Touch your neighbor and say, never mind, don't, don't, don't do anything. Things. I listened to, to Bishop Zapala talk the other night about the things that happened in his life. And, and I got to tell you, Bishop Daniel's one of the happiest men I know. He really is. He's one of the most well-adjusted people I know. He's one of, the, one of the most consistent people I know. And when he gets to describing the things that have happened into his life, I become a little ashamed about the problems that I have perceived that I've had. I was never sold into slavery. I was never prostituted out like that. I never felt like that there was no way out and needed to commit suicide. I've never had that experience. And yet this dude seems to be the most adjusted person I know. Wise beyond his years. And, and it began to make me realize that we get troubled by things that drain us of the energy and the life. And I mean, Paul writing here in the book of Romans, he had some stuff that had happened to him. He had been thrown overboard. He had been filleted. He had been beaten and left for dead three times. They're going to take the man's head off before he's done. And he's saying, nothing will separate me from the love of God. I mean, when somebody begins to do that, you might want to listen to what they're saying because see, the, the central point, the main point of this portion of scripture, is not about the things that happen to us, but in verse 31, Paul says, what then shall we say 
to these things. See, hear me, brothers and sisters. It's not about the things that have happened to you. It's about what you're saying to those things that really matter. Let me tell you, things happen. They're going to be, if you ain't very old yet, things are going to happen to you. They're going to, say, say with me, things happen. You know that, that bumper sticker that, it, that bad people like to put on the back of their car? I think good people ought to buy one that says, things just happen. I mean, oh, you, didn't, you didn't get it. Some of you don't know anybody. That, uh, some of you got them bumper stickers in your garage. You just don't <laughs> want nobody to know it. You bought one because you thought it was funny. Things happen. What then shall we say to these things? You know, we're supposed to be talking to things. I grew up with my grandma talking to things. She's always talking to things. Sometimes she's talking to things you couldn't even see. She's having complete conversations with things. I mean, we need to be talking to things. What then shall we say to these things? That's really the more important question. And it's interesting because he actually gave us an introduction into this conversation in verse 28. For we know that all things work together for our good. See, if you know that all things, have you ever eaten something and it was really, really good? And then you ask what was in it? Oh, you need to travel with me some. I mean, they serve you all kinds of things. And I have sat there and I've been eating on this stuff they've been giving me. And I mean, it's really, really good. It was kind of a mixture of stuff, you know. And then I began to ask them for the recipe. That was a bad idea. Because they told me the things that was in the thing. And I went, ugh. Oh my. I mean, no, we put a raw baby bird in there. Just, oh my God. Did you know that God takes things and puts them in together? And when you put all of them together, it's got a flavor that's better than any one of those individual things. Do you know many of you are letting a season of your life ruin the totality of your life? Because God can take the things of your life and put it together with the totality of the things of your life. And you'll enjoy. In fact, it'll be good for you. If you understand that Paul says all things work together for my good. That you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. That God can take things that don't feel right, look right, and he can put it all. What then shall we say to these things? The writer of the proverb says that death and life are on the power of the tongue. I've known that a long time, right? Death and life are on the power of the tongue. Say with me, life and death is in my mouth. It's on my tongue. It's what I say to these things. But the next part of that sentence says, and they that love it. Can I tell you, there are people that just love to gossip. They love to say negative stuff. They love to spread them their things. They just love. They love. See, people eat what they love. They either love stuff that's good or they love stuff that's the other thing. And they love drama. And they love this. And they love that. And they're always... Sometimes you need to walk away from that. Sometimes you ought to turn that off. Did you know, near as I remember, you can block that. In fact, if you don't, come back next week. We'll give you a lesson on Facebook so that you can... Some of you look at me and go, 
well, didn't you see that? And I'm thinking, I probably blocked it. <clears throat> Why? Because I don't want that stuff. I can't eat that stuff. I got, I, they love things. Words are powerful. Words are the most. They, 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 hmm. I mean, Mark 11, verse 23, Jesus is saying it. It's in the red. I say unto you that whoever says to the mountain, speaks to the mountain, speaks to those things, and does not doubt in his heart that whatsoever things he says, he will have whatsoever things he says. Say with me, I can say some things to the thing. I don't need to listen to the thing talking to me. I can rather talk back to the thing. You've been talking back to your wife for years. Won't you talk back? Never mind. I'm serious. I'm going to go talk to some things. I'm going to go talk to that car. I'm going to go talk to that attitude. I'm going to go talk to some stuff that are in. What are we saying about those things? That's really more important than the thing itself. What's more important than the things that are happening around you is the stuff that we say to those things. For all things were made by him, and without him there was nothing that was... Hey, he made it. He created everything in this world, and he can make all things in this world come together and serve you. If he made it, he controls it, he sustains it. Honey, there's nothing that takes place. Our days are ordered, our steps are ordered, but they're just not automatic. That's the whole argument theologically about the sovereignty of God. Yes, God knows all things, does all things, but honey, you got to choose with your mouth whether to walk in his way or not to walk in his way. It is your choice. Yes, he has ordained you, given you a destiny, planned great things for you. You still get to choose which way. Am I making any sense? You ain't, you're not shouting as good as I, I love what this writer of Romans writes to the church in Philippi when he's in prison in Rome. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can touch your neighbors. I can do all things. I can, I can put up with everything. I can love everything. I can walk through everything. I can speak to everything. I can survive everything. He put it together in such a way that it doesn't even matter what the things are because Christ, the anointed one and his anointing has empowered me to live in 2019 in the midst of the things that the enemy means to destroy me. I will overcome these things because of the Christ that's on the inside of me because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the things of this world. Oh, you're not. What shall I say to these things if God is for us? Who then can be against us? That's what I can say. I'll ask a question of the thing. Do you understand that if you have positioned yourself against me, you have positioned yourself against one of God's? If God is for me, then who? If God is on my side, the message Bible says, if God's in here, then I cannot lose. Some of you need to get a little confidence about the one that chose you. Some of you need to get a little courage about the reality that it's not because of your performance, but it's because of his love for you. And if God is for me, who then can be against me? If God is for us, I don't even have to raise my hand. I don't even, I can hang here on the cross because you don't understand. I am the very son of God. And if God is on my side, you do your best. You'll never keep me in that 
grave. That oh, you're, you're come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, somebody. If that's not more than a story to you, you will not. Uh, if God is on my side, mm, 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 mm. that's proud of the problem, though. If God is, is who is God? Is God is say God is. Well, number one, God is God. God is, God, God is who he says he is. I am who I say I am. I'm not who the Baptists say I am. I'm not who the Pentecostals say I am. I'm not who your Mimaw says I am. I'm not who your perception of me. I don't care. I is who I is. I'll be who I determine myself to be. I'm a self-determined God. I am love. I am goodness. I am your righteousness. I am the God that healeth thee. I am gooder than you ever thought was good. You'll never be able to comprehend the goodness that I am because it's beyond your ability to comprehend. I'll forgive who I want to give, have mercy on who I want to have mercy on, and it'll be none of your business, Jonah. If I want to save everybody in Nineveh, I'll save everybody in Nineveh. Good God Almighty. Are you listening? The problem is we don't know who God is. If God is, He is. And the Hebrew writer said, and He is the rewarder. Hear me, if I'm God's, He's going to reward me, not because I deserve it, but because of His un- He can't control Himself. I am like a son, a grandson. He buy me stuff that His parents said I shouldn't even have. And then He'll buy it again. He'll get me a double dip chocolate covered, I mean, put a cherry on top of it, and mama warned me not to do it the third time ago I did it, but I'm going to do it again, because he is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, blessed going in and blessed going out. You can't stop God from blessing you. He chose to bless, he'll never curse, contrary to what the church has been peddling for years. Oh, I'm a little, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is, come on, what is he to you? Well, he goodness and mercy, and he's, yeah, that's what he is. He's my ever-present help in the time of need, that's what he is. He's the one that never turns his back on me. He's the one that just stays right near me. If God be for me, who then? This question isn't about if him, it's about if you can believe. Touch your neighbor and say, there ain't no question about it. If he is for me, he is for me, and he is good to me. The real question is if you can believe how good he is. And I promise you there's been 2,000 years of religiosity that's tried to tell you that God's not that good. Well, they're wrong. They're just wrong. If you can believe that he is, then all things suddenly become possible. If you can believe that he's that good to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that was speaking unto you, you would ask of me and I'd give you everything you needed. You'd ne- if you can believe, if you have faith, if you knew the gift, if you agree on anything, I'll give it unto thee. See, this is about if and if you confess, oh, you didn't get this. If you can believe, if you can have faith, if you knew the gift, if you would agree, and if you would confess with your mouth. Are you listening to me? Say with me, there's something to do with this thing. Wow. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who then can be against us? I think I'll bring my confession in line. If the Son sets you free... Say it out loud. He set me free. 
He set me free, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What the law was able to do, he did by his son who came and... Oh, Say with me, I'm free. I love Paul when he writes, I, Paul, the apostle of the son of... I'm a prisoner... Man, if you were the Roman centurions holding him in jail and you read the letter and said, I'm a prisoner of no man, but I'm a prisoner of Christ, it'd make you feel stupid. Man, we worked hard to keep you in prison. And the prisoner's going, I ain't in prison. I mean, the prisoner, the one in bondage, the one under captivity, the one held in the grip being threatened with his execution goes, he ain't nothing. I'm here because God wants me to be here. I'm here because God's put me here for a purpose. God has a plan for my life. I'm not going to be moved by them bars. I'm not going to be moved by your chains. If God wanted to, he'd set me free tomorrow. This must be the will of God. I got time to write in seclusion. Some of us have to take time off, shut the doors, turn the phone off to get a moment to write. God put Paul in a prison and said, right, boy, right. And they brought it. Never mind. I better, better stop. Uh, I love this guy. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father. How many of you need forgiven? Then look at your neighbor and say, you're forgiven. I mean, the Bible says if you forgive that one, you're forgiven. In other words, if you give grace away, you get grace. I don't know about you, but I need grace. I need mercy because some of those dudes last week irritated me. You didn't get any of that. How many of you work with people and you like every one of them? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll slap that out. <laughs> There's nobody in here that works with everybody that likes everybody you work with. They irritate. I mean, you wake up in the morning and think, oh, God, I got to ride with them today. I mean, you didn't get it. Uh, say, if I forgive, I mean, quickly, look at your person. I forgive you. I don't even know what you did. Don't even care what you did. Whatever it was you did, you're forgiven. See, the church has been trying to evaluate the behavior of people. All that. Did you know you can look at people's behavior, but you'd never know the motives of their heart? Amen. The Bible says that you do not know the motives of man. I'm aware of people's behavior, but I never know what they're thinking. I try it. Yeah, I don't want to. Ain't that right? If you forgive, they are forgiven. What then shall we say? I'm not going to forgive them is what I'm going to do. Isn't it amazing how Joshua and Jonathan and David and Moses and Jehoshaphat, they were always able to see what other people couldn't see. I mean, everybody else is looking at giants and Joshua was going, we can take them. Everybody else is looking at a giant and David's going, there ain't nothing. I mean, other people running from lions and bears, and David is charging them. You know why? Because if God be for me, who can be against me? You see, other people are looking at the things, but God's people are looking at the thing behind the thing. Oh, my God, Elisha, did you know that we are surrounded by this army? We're surrounded by it. The prophet didn't even deny the situation. The prophet didn't even, he said, yeah, you're right. We surrounded by things. Things have got us backed into a corner. Things are bad. They're really bad. Sad, but true. Sad, but true. It's really, really bad. I mean, we're just going to, you know, in a, in a basket. It, it's bad. Have you ever seen times any worse than this? My God, the country's never been so bad as this. Isn't this horrible? Yeah, things is bad. But open thy servant's eyes because we are nothing but bait. God has put us in a situation to bait the devil to come here. And now that we got the 
devil here, God's going to send his angels and surround them with a mighty army. And instead of the bait being swallowed, the army that thought he was bigger than the bait is going to get destroyed because our eyes are on him and not on them. Oh, well. You nothing but good bait. Do you do understand that? He said we, he want to make us fishers of men. You thought you were going to hold the pole. No, honey, we putting you in the hook. You stinketh. We putting you on the hook. Stink bait. Yeah, you just thought you were going to hold on to the net. No, honey, we dropping you in the water to attract the sharks. And after you're dead, we're going to pull them in. And then we're not going to kill them. We're going to lead them to Jesus and throw them back in for bait. So you just thought the enemy was gathering together because you were so important. No, I ain't got nothing to do with you being important. It has to do with this cosmic battle where God's going to... What are we saying? In spite of the things. For we look not at the things that can see. Listen to me. Normal people can see that things ain't good. Stupid people can see. What's tickled to me is when people try to tell me things aren't bad. No, they bad. You go ahead. You just keep telling me how great things are. Things aren't good. Only stupid people call bad things good. There's coming a time when people call bad things good and good things bad. Now listen to me. You got to look at stuff and go, that ain't good. But I'm not moved by that. But you don't deny. Are you listening to me? We look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. Listen, spiritual people are supposed to be able to see what others cannot see. For the things that are seen are temporary. Say with me, this is temporary. I don't care. Now listen, listen, you think temporary is that you had to wait an extra minute to get your McDonald's. You think temporary is when they say, pull up there in that box and we'll bring it to you. That's what you call temporary. You know what God calls temporary? 430 years. They were in captivity 430. What if things stay this way for the next 430 years, you rapture hungry people? Some of you are so rapture hungry, you think you're going to get delivered in 2012 and then blah, 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 blah. You know, God loves people more than you. You didn't get it. He loved people more than you. He'll wait another couple hundred years just so he can save a couple hundred more thousands, billions of people. Because it ain't about you. It's about who God's trying to bring into his presence. You don't Do you know every time a baby is born, God is revealed? Every time there's another conception. Come on. Every time there's another conception, that thing begins to have a heartbeat at about 23 days. I ain't going to argue with you. That thing begins to have a heartbeat. That's God. Every time God postpones his coming, there's another. Then God, be steadfast and be patient and just wait until every one of you has been birthed into the world that you have designed to be birthed into the world. I'm not hungry for God's coming. I'm living in the presence of God right now. I don't need to escape. I need to become conscious that God is here in the middle of things that I can speak to. My God, what a privilege to be alive today. What an honor to be alive today and not be as scared of the things of today, but know that God is for me and not against me and that these things are temporary and that anything that's temporary is subject to change. If every silly person can see it, if you can see it in the natural, then it's temporary. It's not eternal because only things that are unseen 
and I need to hurry up. I remember walking into this old nursing home in Shawnee, Oklahoma. You ever been into one of them old nursing homes and you, and it's bleach. You know what I'm talking about. It's, It's one of those less expensive nursing homes. And you can smell the bleach. And you can smell the and smell death. And I walked in, it was one of those spider complexes, you know, where you come in the center and you look down that hall and look down that hall and look down that hall. My grandma and grandpa, they had a room clear at the end of the hall because there was a glass door at the end and they loved looking outside. And I stepped there and I'm looking down there and there my grandma and granddad in wheelchairs down there at the end of that hall. And I stood there and the head nurse came up because I'm from Kansas, don't get to go... And I, I go and go down and talk to him for a few hours. And while I'm standing there, my granddad reaches down, grabs his wheels on his wheelchair, and he starts, I thought he was having a fit. And he scoots that wheelchair just as close as he can get to my grandmother's wheelchair. And those two little old heads, almost 90 at the time, begin to... And those two pair of lips, been married over 60, nearly 70 years, He wasn't looking at my 91-year-old grandmother. He was looking at that 17-year-old little girl in that cotton field south of Oklahoma City picking cotton. He saw beyond the wrinkles and the weathered spots. He saw with the eyes of love something that everybody else in that old stinky nursing home couldn't see. Are you listening to me? What do we see when we see the poor? What do we see when we see the outcast? What do we see when we see people different from us? Do we see the Christ in them? Do we love them? Man, if God be for us, who then can be? What do we say to the things in this world that are unfair? What do we say to the thing? We love them. That's what we say. You see, there's too many hearts saying things. There's too many mouths saying things whose hearts have not been changed. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. If I understand the love of God that has kissed me, then I can speak those kisses to other people. Am I in your... How do I see that way? Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good report, if there are any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate, think, imagine those things. If you can learn to imagine on the good and not the bad, it'll change your ability to see things in a different way and you can talk to the things with a different for I am persuaded that neither life nor death, angels nor principalities, power nor things present, nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of which God has in us in Christ Jesus. Nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. All I have to do is speak to that thing from an attitude of love.
from a heart of love. I simply need to have the confidence to speak and the humility to bow. You must be able at the same time to do two things. Have the courage to step forward. Listen to me. We should not shrink back at the things of this world. We should have the courage to move forward and not be stuck. I can do all things. I ought to have the courage to move forward. At the same time, i got to have the humility to bow that the courage that I have does not come from confidence in myself, but comes from confidence in His grace. And I have to move forward with my head bowed and my foot up and lean into the future with that confidence and that humility. I have to do two things at the same time. I have to go high and low at the same moment. If I do... I can pass from one compartment to the next. I can go from one season of life to the other. I can transfer the traditions and the transitions of humanity's experience on earth. You hear me? My prophetic unction is things aren't getting better. My prophetic unction is that you can pray and pray and pray, and we need to continue to pray. Things aren't going to get better. The world is going nuts may go nuts for the next hundred years. You need to rise above it. You need to keep moving forward. You're not going to win a war that's going to be seen. Do you understand that when Christ died and resurrected and ascended into heaven, things got worse for the human experience. Some of you have this idea that you're going to make things in the human experience better. When Christ ascended to the throne, things got worse. But in the middle of bad things, they leaned forward to missionize the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. They bowed very low and took no credit on their own. Church, that's what you and I do. We lean into the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ and we move into six continents and 22 countries. We take every opportunity we can to share the gospel with Jesus Christ. We stay hidden in Hutchinson, Kansas, and nobody really knows us. And we just keep moving. Are you listening to me? That's what we do. We step really high in the confidence of Christ. But we go really low in the recognition of the greatness of the Christ. That'll get you through your marriages That'll get you through the transversing and the transition of your children. That'll get you through the jobs. That'll get you through addictions. That'll get you through abuse. That'll get you through life into eternity. It's hard. It's tough. It's not made for sissies. It's made for people who will lose their life and follow Christ. That's what it's made for. That's the gospel. Not this positive motivational dribble. Dribble. And not some ancient tradition that has no 